boys, should we do it? Should we bring it back tonight? I'm ready. I'm ready. It's, it's let's, time. Let's, let's go. All right. Let's, get fired up. let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. This is Peak Too Early, presented by SAV Racing, featuring Mike Gendron, Trent Fontanella, and Steve Gendron. Hey everyone, welcome back to the greatest running podcast in the world, Peak Too Early. I am one of your hosts, Steve Jenner, and I'm joined by Mike Jenner, who's back in the great state of Massachusetts. Mike, how you doing? Steve, I'm ready. Let's party. That sounded great. That was music to my ears. I'm just, I'm ready to roll. I'm ready to run through a brick wall. Let's do this thing. And as always, he's at the house of Meg. We got Trent Fontanella. Trent, how you doing, bud? I got to throw out the pre-prepared remarks tonight. Like Mike said, it's a party. I haven't heard that introduction in, in much too long. Steve, it is good to hear those words come from your mouth. Steve, oh. can I just say, it's like, we, we're we going to gloss over this quickly and maybe get into it later. It's a shame that we don't get to start the show talking about Trent's bald asset right now. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's uh, it's new beginnings. You know, Trent has a, has a new look. He's got, you know what he looks like? He looks like he just got out of prison, so it's kind of. He funny. does look. <laughs> I, I got like a, I don't know the proper term for it, but the wife beater on right now. <laughs> it's not actually one. It's like a tea, a graphic tea, but I know it kind of looks like it from that. I got told uh, best compliment I received was I looked a little bit like Brad Pitt in Fight Club, so that was pretty cool. I was hoping I mean, you guys were going to say that. That's one, pretty good. That's I pretty mean, that's good. pretty great. That yeah. is the single highest compliment. I know. I could get paid. Is it? You? Uh, Megan's cousin, Megan's cousin told me that. And I was like, Megan, how come you never say anything nice to me? Like, <laughs> like how your family is giving me bigger compliments than you've ever given me. Oh, uh, but boys, that intro flowed so smoothly. See, I was felt, getting so, so goddamn good. sick. I was getting it, so sick of that, that other intro. Uh, it felt so good. The other intro, it was like every single time it was just like, it was such a mood killer for me to like fight out that other intro. But that intro, it just felt right. It felt normal. It just felt like it just felt it, I just felt like everything was at peace in the peak too early uh, universe when hearing that uh, hearing that that intro come out of my mouth. What I'm excited for is for whatever it is, 30 minutes, 60 minutes, 120 minutes from now when we eventually close the show, because I don't think I could do one more of the like, oh, shit, how, how, do, how do we how do we close this thing? And then <laughs> I never liked the old exit. Like, I'm just I was over it. So. I mean, that's my favorite part of the show. That's like, that's our, our, uh, you know, our calling card. And I just can't wait to get to it at this point. I'm excited to show when you tell people to download the pod or something and to find us on iTunes and you start explaining peak too early. No, actually search whereabouts failure. And they're like one word, two word, what's going on here. So if you'll just go back to peak too early, I'm excited for that. So Mike, you, you, uh, you mentioned the, uh, the outro and you know, if you, if you don't know what we're talking about, listen to the whole episode and you'll hear what we're talking about. But our outro that we've been using now for 149 episodes of uh, of, of Peak Too Early podcast, um, we just had done up in a graphic. And I've been in the process the past month. I've been pulling together. I want to pull together like a really, really cool piece of apparel because our plan is, as of this recording, we are 99 days away from the Indianapolis Marathon. And when we decided that we were going to go run the Indianapolis Marathon, we also decided like, we want to try to do something for the community while we're there. And um, 
we're going to get into this in future podcasts, but we, we, we essentially looked at charities and we, we uh, decided on back on my feet. And it's a, it's a pod. It, it's a, it's a charity that Trent and uh, his, his fiance are very close to. And that's, I believe you guys actually met through a back on my feet. Uh, that's correct. Uh, and, and so I want, we're going to hear that story, but it's, uh, and we're going to hear more about it and its connections to the running community and how they use running as a way to help people improve their lives. Um, so I just want to throw this out as a little teaser. We have this badass uh, uh, piece of apparel. It's actually going to be a sweatshirt. I know it's, it's 90 degrees out right now. So people aren't really thinking sweatshirt weather, but as we head into the fall, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be this super heavy duty, thick sweatshirt. It's going to be purple. We're going to have the P2, peak too early uh, logo embroidered on the front and on the back, we're going to have the full, I would have run faster, but I peaked too early kind of logo that we just came up with. Um, and 100% of the profits of the sales of these sweatshirts are going to go to, uh, to back on my feet. So I just want to start teasing that we might, um, we're going to, we're going to get these printed and we're going to, you're going to see more buzz. We're going to push it all through August, uh, into September. Um, but I, I just kind of wanted to, to throw a teaser out, kind of put it, put it on your radar that we're, um, we're doing something pretty cool for, for the, uh, the running community in Indianapolis. So I'm, I'm excited for it. Yeah, it looks swaggy, sport a great cause. I'm sure like CSA will get into it, but it's, it's an awesome cause. And the sweatshirts, see, gave us a little sneak peek of what they're going to look like. They look amazing. So uh, it's going to be really fun pushing those. Yeah, and nothing. We're not taking anything from this one. This is just going to be a, a, can we, with the two crew again? What was it? The where about oh warriors? Where about warriors? Although I did <laughs> like that. The where about warriors is gone. It's just going to be the two crew looking good, sporting good cause related to running. It's uh, the perfect recipe here. Yeah, and like I, I do feel like a lot of our merch, you know, it, it, we we did the the championship season, vendor season thing, which was like a different design. But a lot of it's been similar design, right? Like with just our, our logos and stuff like that. This design is completely different, unlike anything we've ever done before. So I'm very excited about the drop for that one. Yeah. So uh, the uh, y- y- you just kind of sparked some thought. Um, I-, I liked the uh, so the whereabouts. I- we'll address it briefly here. Uh, you know, obviously, if you've been riding with us for a while, um, you were kind of into the story that was going on. We uh, we rebranded quickly there for a little bit there. We uh, yeah, I, I don't want to get into why, but, um, you know, shoot us a DM if you really want to know why. But we rebranded for a little bit um, with the intent of coming back to peak too early because we're just we're just so attached to this name and this brand that we've built. Um, the the whereabouts failure was I, I think it was a it was a fun kind of uh, shift. And I think it was actually super creative and it kind of played into a, a lot of different things. I'm actually kind of proud of that rebrand. I think it was cool. The big, I will say the biggest problem with that rebrand is we pretty much deterred any new athletes from like wanting to follow us <laughs> yeah. and come on the podcast. Cause they were like, wait a second, <laughs> this, this podcast is about, you know, people that have failed drug tests. I'm going to stay far away from this brand. So I, I think, for that reason, we needed to get back to peak too early and, and away from whereabouts failure, even though it was always the intent to come back here. Well, and like, I just think we had uh, grown brand recognition. So even like the um, athletes and stuff that we had a relationship with, they probably could figure out that we were the same people we had explained it to them or whatever, but I'm sure it was a little bit jarring when, you know, we were reaching out or talking to them and, you know, under a different brand so steve are we are we not talking about it are we are we not going to say anything that happened i think that's best all right okay 
Let's leave it be for a little while longer. There's no, there's no rush to to, to share the story. We can tease it out a little bit. People can. I mean, we're a back lot of, though. We're back though. I, I mean, know. So let's leave it behind. Let's leave it behind. Let's just push forward. So for the people, for the people that have been riding with us, just know we stood our ground and we didn't give an inch. That's all. That's that. Let's leave it sure. at that. We stood okay. our ground. We didn't give an inch. We didn't back down. So, um, yeah. Let, let's leave it at that. And we'll, all right. That's fine. For legal reasons, that. <laughs> let's just yeah, let's just avoid it. But uh, yeah, so it feels good to be back. So, um, we have world championships to talk about. We have world championships to talk about. We have uh, oh, I, I there was something I wanted to talk about. Um, oh, um, I, I I talked about a um an athlete that has moved to the greater Lowell area and is running with the club around here. It's a former uh second place finisher in the uh in the Boston Marathon and uh he uh Moroccan runner and he his career was ended with um uh he got he got popped for for PEDs or I, I don't know exactly, but it was it was he you know the the athletic integrity unit pretty much uh, shut him down. So, um, I, you know, I don't know much about the story, but I just got a text. I'm heading down to run a road race tomorrow night, a 10 mile road race with, uh, our, my brother, Chris down in, down in Rhode Island, famous road race. It's the blessing of the feet, 10 mile or so. I'm going to kind of test myself a little bit. I'm not feeling great, but you know, we'll get out there. We got a, we got a marathon coming up in, in less than a hundred days. So I figured I'd get out there and mix it up a little bit on a little bit of a longer distance got a text uh just a few hours ago uh our boy needs a ride a two and a half hour ride down to uh rhode island he's jumping in the car with me so i told you mike so we're gonna build a relationship with this guy and we're eventually gonna get him on the podcast and um so i'll uh i'll report back i'm gonna spend close to five hours in a car with him tomorrow so i love that i mean let's uh Let's just get on a quick conference call, hit record, and you know we'll just start asking the hard hitting questions. Forget about the relationship. Let's just get right down to the the dirty details. Yeah, Mike yeah. and I. I are... Also, Steve, can you pass me along his information? I got a marathon in ninety nine days, so if you could <laughs> pass me, you know, his his dealer or something like that. Oh, that that's a uh, I'm I'm keeping that information. <laughs> yeah. I think Mike and I just sit in the backseat of that car and just are there when he hops in and we can just go right into a podcast interview right there. As long as he's okay with about two hours and 15 minutes of Taylor Swift on the, on the car ride up, then then I think we're good. (laughs) I just pop on one of our podcasts and listen to it on the way down. (laughs) When we're talking about him. Just play this like literally right now. That's what we're talking about. What's up, man? What's his name? Uh, well, it's okay. I'll do it. What's yeah, up? Well, yeah, let, we'll, we'll, we'll dive into it later. Um, but uh, yeah, let's uh, let's get into some world championships talk. I mean, we uh, the uh, world championships in Eugene wrapped up since the since the our, our last podcast came out. Um, and I think Mike and I we we were talking on our last episode of how I was kind of a little bummed out with the first half of world championships. Um, I think the second half perked me up a little bit. I think I felt really, really good about the second half. I thought it was better. I thought it was more entertaining. I want some bets. Um, but yeah, let's let's dive in. Let's talk some worlds. All right. So the first place we're going to start, we're going to start on. Uh, so we went up to uh, day seven. So we're going to talk day eight, nine, and 10. And the first 
uh, event we're going to talk about is the women's 400 meter hurdles. And Steve, stop me if you've heard this before. Sydney McLaughlin broke the world record. I mean, it is ridiculous that every time this girl touches a track, she breaks a world record and she doesn't just do it in, you know, the whatever diamond league event. No, she shows up to world championship events, break world's record on a consistent basis. She is the best to have ever done it. And putting her into parlays like we talked about was an absolute lock. We'll talk about how that worked out for me later in the podcast. But I mean, there's nothing this girl cannot do when it comes to the 400 meter hurdles. And like I said, all she does is break world records. I feel like I'm just going to, there's going to be a lot of me saying like, I love this person. They're awesome. It was a great race, but that's pretty much it. Like watching Sydney is it's amazing. And I think, I think people have to recognize what they're watching. I mean, we're watching greatness. We're watching an athlete that we never, we may never see again. I mean, just look at not not the times. I think it's hard for people to kind of, um, especially if you're not like super into the sport. I think it's hard for people to kind of just see the time and 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 know that she keeps breaking it and and just kind of uh, put into perspective like what that means for the sport. But instead of that, if you're kind of a casual fan of the sport, watch what she's doing to the other athletes on the track. This is the final of the world championship. And she is completely blowing her competition out of the water. There is nobody even close. There's there was a point in the race where I was like, she could fall, get back up, and still win this race. Like it is, it is a treat to watch her run. And I think that where now she's gonna start jumping events, she's gonna start competing in other events, setting uh world records in other events or attempting to set world records in other events. We might we are in i think the she's already the greatest of all time in her event and one of the greatest track and field athletes in u.s history but as she starts running other events and competing at the highest level we may see the beginnings of the greatest track and field athlete of our lifetime since uh usain bolt um and it's a it's it's gonna be fun to watch and based on what she did at world championships and um, never mind what she did at the Olympics last year. I think she's capable of getting the regular 400 meter uh, world record. And, you know, to see somebody jump events and kind of try go up or down a little bit, isn't that rare. It's rare in the 400 um, to see somebody kind of either maybe go down to the 200 or go, or definitely go up to the 800. That's very rare, but to see somebody come out of a hurdle event, and go to one of the other events is extremely rare. That never happens. So the fact that this is like even just on her radar of what she's going to be doing next is, is already incredible. Yeah. And we we've seen her anchor four by 400 teams at the Olympics world championships, but I, I want to see that 400, the open 400 right now. Right. I don't want to see yeah. that later on when she, you know, feels like she's accomplished what she needs to accomplish in the hurdles. And now she wants to try another event. I want to see it when she's at the top of her game and see if she can go. I, 
I don't have the stats and research on this, but I assume there's been no one that's ever like dual one of the 400 meter hurdles and the 400 in the same world championships or the same Olympics. Like that, that seems like it would be unheard of. So Sydney, uh, let's see you getting some open 400s now. You were talking, Steve, about how dominant it is, casual fan just watching it. I do have a couple like context things I want to throw out there about how good Sydney is. Um, the 400 meter hurdle world record stood from like 2003 to 2019 or something. It was one of like the longest standing world records in there. And now she's going out and she's beating it pretty much every time she's on the track. Right. So th- this was, you know, a, a, a level that had stayed the same for 16 years. No one can do it. And she's that much better than everybody. She's doing it. Also, the person that came in second, Femke Bull, who's another world class hurdler. She had a great comment. I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but she had a great comment, something along the lines of, I thought I ran like a terrible race being an ISR and looked up how, how far ahead Sydney was. I figured, oh, I must be out here running poorly. And then she saw the times and she actually ran like a season best or something like that. Like she had a great time for herself, but she had just assumed that she had a terrible race because how far ahead Sydney was. It's incredible. Mike, do you, do you have, um, uh, results pulled up in front of you there for I yeah I do for do the have, do you have the woman's 400 flat like what the winning time was there do you happen to have that easily accessible I sure do yeah let me uh I believe that was in the same day yep right here so the woman's 400 flat was a 49 11 I mean was the winning time and then what did we say Sydney's time was Sydney's time was 50, 50 and change. Seven. So she, she was, I mean, she could have won. She could have won easy. Definitely so could have won. So, but with the hurdles in there, she, she lost by 0. 0.7 seconds. I mean, that is, that is, that is so crazy. Yeah. Imagine, that's imagine if on the same day, on the same day, the same person walked away with the 400 and 400 hurdles world championship. Like so Steve, hours she, apart. Let's see. I have 50-68. She would have finished <laughs> if she was in that race, right? And the entire field was without hurdles and she had hurdles. Like let's say she was in the open 400. In the Let me remind you, this is the World Championship. So if she was in the World Championship 400 meter hurdle 400 and she was the only one with hurdles, she would have finished in 7th place in the world. <laughs> So she's the seventh fastest 400 meter runner in the world with hurdles in the way. That's insane. That is insane. She's already, I mean, I, I, I started off this conversation by saying she's our, she's, she's on her way to the conversation of the greatest track and field athlete of, of our lifetime since Usain Bolt. I I'm going to say she's there. The argument can be made that she's already there just, just on that stat alone. Absolutely incredible. So flex on it, Sydney. Let's get you in some 400s as soon as not just 400s, both the 400 and the hurdles. Let's see it. Could. Uh, I mean, that would be sick. Yeah, she could do it. She could. I mean, she just, ran. Just, the, she ran the four by four. The problem is in this event, the 400 finals and the 400 meter finals were like hours apart. Yeah. So that would be tough to get around. I don't know if they could. But I mean, the next or I don't know if it's the next day or two days. No, the day before she ran the four by four. I don't know. She ran the four by four. Yeah. So she can do it. Just the scheduling this time around was not ideal. 
these athletes are running heats all the time, right? It's not like it's like they're running out there with one hard effort at the it's world one championships. Lap. Yeah, it's one lap. So on, yeah, Sid. okay, one lap. I mean, for for context, Trent, the four hundred flat went at uh, uh, seven fifteen. And the 400 hurdles went at 7.50. So, so she would have had like, you know, a 20-minute break and which, get back on the track. Which goes to show you that they would never expect someone to run both events, right? The the scheduling of the meet yeah. would not take place like that if there was any athlete that had ever been good enough to be able to compete in both at a high level. And now they may have to change the scheduling events and meets for Sydney McLaughlin. <laughs> then, then again, the hurdles was the second event which probably works to her favor, right? Like she could probably go run the 400 and she's so much better at the hurdles. Like, I think it was the other way around. She couldn't yeah. compete at the full, but she like, she literally might be able to get 30 minutes rest and then go win the, the hurdles. She could so do it at 80% effort and still win. That's, that's what I'm saying. That's like, that's crazy. Imagine um, if she, uh, imagine if she comes out, she uh, wins world championships next year in the 400 sets the world record. And then she says, okay, we're bumping up to the 800. Oh, <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's not impossible. It's that'd definitely not impossible. That'd be, that'd be, that'd be a fighter. That'd be a fighter getting the, getting the heavyweight or getting the championship belt going down a weight class and then jumping up a weight class to get the, get the, the, the two, um, championship belts connected to theirs so she's she's only 22 years old still too so we, don't, we have don't time that's insane 22 oh years old so God. these ideas that we're throwing out that may be a little preposterous yes maybe she's not gonna you know have the the triple of the 800 400 formula hurdles at any kind of uh, world event but we could see her medal gold medal in a variety of events right we're, we're listing them right now uh Cause she's got time. She's got plenty of time. She's not even entering like her full prime yet. Like she's 22. 20, 22 is so young. That's insane. Oh my God. That is insane. Okay. All right. Let's move on to the men's 800 and Steve, you talked about how like the last few days uh, kind of changed your tune. And I agree with you. I think it like the last three days were more fun. I mean, granted there was more finals the last three days. So I think that is automatically more fun. I will say though the men's 800 meter, it depressed me. I mean, yeah. like that's a that's supposed to be the event that like we're gearing up for. Like, we we probably would have done like an Instagram live for it. Like we would have gone all in for it. And now it's like we had nobody to root for. Emmanuel uh, career takes the win. Marco Arab takes bronze. But like, I don't know nothing about this. This should be like like I said, this the 800 is like our favorite event. We love the 800 we get jacked up for it. And there was just, I don't know. I don't even really want to talk about them anymore than, than that. You know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm a diehard sports fan in a, in a lot of sports. Um, but it's, it's, it's this event that reminds me that I'm a fan of my teams more than I am way more of the sport. Like I am, I'm actually, it, it doesn't even, it can't, you can't even compare the two. Like I'm a fan of my teams, not necessarily, I'm a fan of the Red Sox, not necessarily a fan of baseball. I'm a fan of the Patriots, not necessarily a football fan. Um, and, and, and watching this event, like you said, Mike, my takeaway was this is just a bummer. Like I, I don't, I should have, I should have people to cheer for and I don't, and I'm just watching this 
kind of, you know, with, without, a, without a significant rooting interest. And it was just kind of a bummer and not to say, I, I don't want to take away from what the athletes did out there, but we're, this is a, this is an enthusiast podcast. This is a fan based podcast. And I, I'd be lying if I said, it. I'd be manufacturing excitement for this, for this event that I just didn't have. Well, I mean, see, like if you, if the Patriots are in the divisional round and they lose, you're going to watch the AFC championship game, right? Because you love the sport, but like. Depend what year it is. Well, yeah. The intensity you go into it with, like how much you care about it is going to be completely changed. Like the only reason you're really going to care about the AFC championship game is because you probably bet on it. But besides that, like if the Patriots lose in the divisional round, it's the same thing, right? Like Bryce, Bryce Hopple loses, gets knocked out in, in Heat 1. So it's like we go into the the finals and, you know, you're watching it like you would the AFC championship game, but you're watching it with way less intensity and way less invested in it. Uh, there, there's been football is probably a bad example because I'm going to watch every I'm going to watch almost every football playoff game. But there's been there's been baseball years where the Red Sox have gotten knocked out and I've just been so frustrated that I haven't watched. I haven't really watched much of the remaining baseball playoffs. So that's probably a better comparison. When the when the Patriots and the Tom Brady era didn't make the Super Bowl, that was the only time where you ever like paid attention to commercials, watched the mm-hmm. halftime show, those sorts of things. Yeah. Those Super Bowls were right. I went like snowboarding during it, didn't even watch it. So oh, Colorado, Trent, there was there, there was, was Patriots Patriot Super Bowls where I didn't do it wow. too. Yes, but there was a little bit different of an investment that, there. Yeah, no that American Denver, in the final. that Denver Carolina Super Bowl. I I couldn't watch that. I couldn't watch Peyton Manning. And yeah, Cam Newton, yeah. that was that was a brutal, brutal Super Bowl. All right, uh, women's five k. Um, again, you know, th- this event is a great reminder of like how impressive it is when you can get uh, an American to like I think about like Grant Fisher, right, to like be placing or like up at the top in a five k, ten k. Cause listen to the, the the top five here in this race. You have Ethiopia, Kenya, Ethiopia, Kenya, Ethiopia. So that's your top five. Elise Cranny finishes in ninth with fourteen fifty nine, and then you had Emily Infield um, in fifteen twenty nine, taking up the rear there in fourteenth place. So. Again, from like our perspective, not a ton to break down here. There was some American presence. I think Elise Cranny, ninth in the world in the 5K. I mean, that's incredibly respectable. Got to be pumped about that. Um, but we didn't have that much action on this. I don't think there was anybody who's winning any bets on the um, the women's 5K. And, you know, we really just didn't have a chance to, to get a win here. Oh, I cashed a ticket. Did you? Yeah, Sigay, yeah. You had uh Tigay? Sigay? Oh, yep. all right. Well, yep. I uh, I stand correct. Well, it wasn't like a blowaway win either. So you were no. like coming yeah, down to the wire a little bit there. Yeah. Yeah, that that's right. my takeaway. Cash ticket. I'm happy, man. But uh, it's <laughs> always always good to see Cranny out there. You know, she's a she's she's a friend of the program and um definitely somebody I I always like to see good. So see, see do well. So um happy to see her in the mix there at least. Yeah, Mike, to, to uh, kind of just counter what you said a little bit, we never had a chance, you know, to, to podium or to be really at the front in this race, but there's a difference. We had three women make the finals in this, right? So you, you could still go out there. You could watch 
uh, our girl Elise uh, just like have a good performance for herself, get out there, put herself in the mix for as long as she could and compete with it. I mean, that still is going to draw eyeballs compared to the men's 800 where you don't have anybody in there. Um, Stefan Hassan, remember at the Olympics, we were expecting like uh, the triple gold out of her and we weren't expecting it, but there was like some talk about that mile 5k, 10k triple. Uh, and now she she got six of the world champions here. So, I mean, it wasn't, and she wasn't, was just pretty, wasn't there a race wasn't there a race a little while back where she did something where we were like oh she's she's no longer the favorite in the, didn't she like yeah i don't was like had was. a big lead and she like stepped off the track or something like that and we're like what is going on and we and we were like well we yeah, can't trust we, her when uh, we we said something along the lines we're, we're never betting on her again yeah i do remember that i don't remember exactly the circumstances but yeah, i mean there was like a 18 month stretch where Safan Hassan looked like she was going to be like, you know, untouchable status. And then it seems like the last like year or two, she's been in this like incredible slump and like whatever, sixth in the world. Like it's, it's weird to say slump, but she, like I said, she was like, she was on a trajectory trajectory of like unbeatable. And now she's clearly very, very beatable. Didn't she, step off the track with 200 to go or something like that it, it was something ridiculous that feels that feel that feels right i, I don't know let's let's give ourselves credit let's give let's say it happened and let's say we said you never <laughs> bet on her and this to the is point, why you don't bet on her you can't trust her to the point where i i remember pulling up DraftKings, kings being like i oh, can't bet on hassan <laughs> all right let's see um steve did you have do you throw anything on either of the men's or women's four by one? Nope. Nope. No. I, I stay far away from that. That's, I feel I, like that's a trap. That's, we, we've that's talked about I, it before on this podcast. You can't trust the USA teams to get the baton around the track. Now I, you, you know, trust starting, the women, just not the men. Yeah. I know. Just historically speaking, if you have a USA singlet and a baton, they don't go well together. So I just, I, 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 try to even avoid watching it because I, I don't want FOMO of like what could have been betting on the U S team. So I, I just, it's just a rule. I don't bet on it. Stay away from it. Yep. I think that's uh, that's kind of what I figured you'd say. The woman took the gold men took the silver in that uh, moving on to the and men's. They're just going to blow everybody away and it's going to look great. I kind of broke up a little bit for this. So I might've just cut somebody off. Yeah, I don't know what just happened, but I, yeah. you know, it's kind of cool. I felt like we like time traveled a little bit, uh, but that's okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> men's pole vault. Um, everything. Here's what we're going to do. Everything that we said about Sydney McLaughlin earlier today, I'm just going to like cut it out and paste it at this section and change Sydney McLaughlin for Mondo Duplantis. Yes, but that would be like. That would be like Mondo Duplantis being like, all right, I'm, a, I'm the greatest pole vaulter of all time. Now I'm going to go try to set well, the that's true. Yeah. triple jump or the high jump or something like that. That's true. Take that part. I just meant like the part of being like young and breaking a world record every time he touches a pole and, you know, kind of being a face of the sport type of type of situation. He didn't start the day off. Well, he had a couple tough jumps or, or vaults early on. And it wasn't until later on where he started pulling it together. So early on, it was like, ooh, does Mondo not have it today? But as the greatest pole vaulter of all time, he he found a way and he pulled it together. And next thing you know, he walks away with the world record. So well, Micah, you, like, 
the the thing I love about the pole vault, right, is like when you're that good, like the being able to come in late and skip like heights and stuff like that. So where everybody else had to take like a ton of jumps, he only had to take four jumps to win gold, right? Like he had four jumps that mattered. And on his fourth jump, he won gold. And then he kept going to break the world record and stuff like that. But I, I do love that, like that strategy part of pole vault where it's like you can skip distance or heights. You can come in late. You can let other people get tired taking their jumps. And it's like, Mondo's like, nah, I'm just going to come in, take a few jumps, win, and, you know, call it a day. <laughs> Micah, a lot of favorites seem to be hitting up until this point. Yeah. I mean, well, Okay, we'll get to it. <laughs> well, okay, I I don't know I don't know what you're trying to get at there because I lost on not a favorite. Was he a favorite? No, nah, he wasn't. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. Okay. Well, yeah. we will get to it. And let's see. Maybe even that's coming up right now. Um, men's pole vault. Yep. <laughs> Look at that, Trent. Your timing is impeccable. So here here we are. So I talked about my mega super parlay. It was a six, a six teamer parlay. And I had Ryan Krauser, huge favorite, gets the win. Mondo DePlantis, huge favorite, gets the win. Sidney McLaughlin, huge favorite, gets the win. I had, and then this is where it gets um, still favorites, but a little bit more tricky. I had uh, Mo who we'll get to in a second, but takes the win. And I had Noah Lyles. So I had five of the six going into the men's 5K. So all I need now at this point is Joshua Cheptegei to get a win. And my God, did this man run the worst race I have ever seen. I mean, this guy is dead to me. And I so to be fair, he, <laughs> you're just he, in the you're just in the business of uh, making people. Dead, oh, huh? Oh yeah, I, I listen. I got a, I got a short leash, but Steve, when you're the last leg of a 16 parlay, and listen, I get it. I get he yeah, was nah. like the he was the money maker of it, right? Because he was plus 300, so he was the farthest odds. He was the most risky. And if he had gone out there and run, and listen, I know he just won the 10k, right? So I know he was doubling back. I get it. But these people do this for a living. This is their job. They double back all the time. And if you go out there and run a respectable race. But Joshua Cheptegei, and I know like we joke about this. I'm not exaggerating. He was in lane three the entire race. He was bouncing all over the place. I mean, this is one of like the best distance runner in the world. And this guy just could not get into a rhythm, did not settle down, was bouncing from lane one to lane three, making surges up, falling back. It's like, dude, you don't need a race like this, especially the fact that you just won the 10K and your legs are a little bit junky. Like, chill out. Stop doing so much heat. It was technically a horrible, horrible race. Like I said, if he went out there and put in a valiant effort and I lost my bet because he went out there and dying trying, I could live with that. But the fact that he never gave me a chance. I mean, we were all texting. I knew like three laps in, I was like, I'm dead. I am, I am so dead. It, it, it's insane how dead I am. Um, so there's so many layers to this race. And this is like my favorite race, uh, besides the fact that it lost me a bit. There are so many different layers to, to, to this race and things I want to talk about. But that's my starting point. It's just like, 
Chapter guy screwed me so bad. He blew up my entire bet and he never gave me a chance. It was a disgusting, disgusting effort. Yeah, there's so many things to get into in this race, Mike, but I will comment on the uh, the, the Chapter guy. It was I, I didn't have a super parlay with him, but I uh, I did have I did have him in this race. Um, it was painful to watch him run. And to your point, Mike, he is he is supposed to be one of the premier runners in this race. And he ran like a guy that was just happy to be there. A guy like that mm-hmm. had lucked his way into into the, the the 5K final and was doing everything he possibly could to hang with the leaders. I was looking for some level of experience, some level of I've been here before. I'm better than these guys. Like I'm going to settle in. I'm going to pick my spots. But he was just, you're right. He was just going to the front and the back and lane three the entire time. It was just weird to watch. So I, I don't know what was going on there. Um, you know, like I, I was thinking that cause he kept going for water. They had water out on the track and I was like, maybe he's just setting himself up in a place where he can easily get water. But then he was the surges. He kept surging to the front and falling back. It was so weird. And even when he had opportunities to settle into lane one, when there was a gap that opened up, he didn't take any of them. So, so weird. I agree. It was uh it was a tough, tough race to watch. The only thing I can think of is that he was hurting. He was, he was in pain getting out there yeah. and, he was just, and he was just like doing everything he possibly could to, to hang on to the pack. Can, yeah. Can I mean, I he, looked, a, he looked desperate. Yeah. Yeah. This, this is uh the group text we had. This is Mike's play by play of chapter guys performance during <laughs> the 5k. So he starts off this 5k is effing awesome stacked field. So Mike's very excited. And then very quickly, Steve points out chapter guy doesn't look great. Nope. Went for water and whipped. And then Mike just goes, Oh, I'm- okay. Can I, can I touch on that? Steve kept saying how he's positioning himself for water, right? Like he did go for the water. There's a couple guys that went for the water and it's hard to, to give these guys a hard time because somebody who did go for water had, you know, quite a big race that we'll, we'll talk about here in a second. But if you're going to go for the water and you're going to jump out into lane, like six to get water, you better get that water. And check the guy goes all the way out and just whiffs completely misses the water. Doesn't get anything. I mean, that that was the moment right there that I knew we were dead. When he went out for the water and missed it, I knew we were dead. Right, it's, go ahead, Trent. it's a skill that's not practiced, but maybe it should be because we've all been out there on a marathon or a hot road race and you go to grab water <laughs> or the gator and it's kind of hard to grab and you end up spilling most have, of it. Have you ever have you ever done a, a, a track race with water on the track? I, I don't. Yeah. 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 10K. 10K in college that you you're required 10K, to. 10K. It's don't. Well, only if it's over a certain temperature. You're right. Oh, okay. I did a 10K at Stonehill with water on the track. That's the only time I've ever. And it was weird because it was like there was race tactics involved in getting out to the water. And then people were doing stuff. They would like they would grab a cup of water and then like throw it behind them in the pack. <laughs> like it was it was pretty weird. And then there would be like teammates like that would run out and grab three and bring them over for their other. It was it was a it was an interesting dynamic. So it should be practice. And that's how we're getting here. But anyways, it quickly just started that I'm effed, uh, can't settle in. Joshua's going to run a 6K, lane three all day. He's dead <laughs> <laughs> and so forth. So it was, a, it was a very quick transition from excitement. Mike has his six-leg parlay. He's ready for it to hit. And very, very quickly, we, we saw from the just about the gun there that it was not going to be Chapter Guy's day. Um, into the... Before- into into the non-gamblers out there, they're probably listening to me and like, 
there's so much that happened in the five. Oh yeah. These guys going on and on about a guy that wasn't even contention. Well, so before we like break down everything else, I just want to like explain the field that we were working with here, right? In this 5K. So in this 5K, you have the best 1500 meter runner in the world. You have um, the 5K and 10K world record holder. You have the indoor mile world record holder. You have the American record holder in the 5K. Um, you have, where else was it? I'm missing the Canadian record holder. I mean, you just, this, like, this field on paper was an insanely stacked field. Just like the accolades are insane, um, which is what made this race awesome. Um, I think we should probably, we're going to talk about the winner in a second. I think we should, we need to talk about Grant Fisher. I think that's where we need to go next because Grant Fisher continues every time he races. And we say this all the time to impress me. This man is coming off a 10K where he ran a badass race and came up just short of a medal. Once again, Grant Fisher put himself in a position to medal at a world championship level, doubling back just like that loser Joshua Chepta guy. Uh, so that guy's got no excuse. He's doubling back, has himself in perfect position. I don't think he was, I watched it back a couple of times. I don't think he had a chance to win, but I think he had silver. I think silver was very, very much. He was in control of, of that kind of position coming around the last turn. He gets clipped and hung up. And it was one of those things where it was like, he didn't get like, tripped and have like one or two bad strides he had like seven or eight off balance really really bad strides because you know he's coming into that like home stretch push and just could not get his balance together and he was done like it completely screwed him and that was i already was like obviously pissed off about chapter guy so then all i had left was rooting for grant and that was heartbreaking, literally heartbreaking. Yeah, he as bad of a race as Chepta guy ran tactically, Grant ran an absolutely perfect race. And I agree, Mike, he, I think it was pretty much guaranteed. He set himself up in a position where he was on the podium. I don't know about silver. I, I think I think he had a, he had a medal. Um, it, it's just a, a, a it's just a shitty chain of events that went down. I think it was was it um. Was it K Rop who, who 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 jumped in front? I, I I forget exactly, but it was one of the it, it, he got it, whoever it was jumped into lane one pretty close. I mean, there were, it was like you know borderline like not enough room. But I, I I was talking with somebody if like that goes to appeal, like it, nothing happens. Like I think it's you it, it's 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 borderline, but it's clean. And so Grant has to take a stutter step quickly and. Uh, gets run up on and and so Grant go takes stutter step goes to go around him and gets run up on by his teammate Mo Ahmed and uh, Mo just pretty much uh, cost Grant a, a chance at a medal and just kind of flat tired him um, so just all around bummer you know I, I I I'm pissed at Mo like you know you I 
it's hard to get mad at somebody like when you're in the end of 5k going into a home stretch like that. But I mean, you, you, you pretty much cost your boy a medal and you know, who knows, like Mo may even had a shot at a medal too, but he got tripped up as well. So it's just, I, I feel for Grant. I, I even feel bad a little bit for Mo because Mo's got to feel horrible. Um, but yeah, Grant, Grant had it. I mean, we were just talking about it. Like we believe that medals were like world medals, Olympic medals. Like he, he will have multiple medals uh, will be in, is in this guy's future. And I thought for sure that his first one was coming in this 5k. And so it was just a bummer to see how it kind of unfolded. Yeah. Grant, Grant consistently finding himself right there on the edge of uh, podium contention. And he hasn't quite broken through at the big meet yet. And this did feel like it. I, I don't really hold anything or, or much at all against Mo at that point of the race, all these guys, when, when you're running as well as both those guys were running, you get to uh, uh, 200 to go in a 5k and, and you're just gassed, right? You got nothing in the tank. It can be hard to like react to sudden little stutter steps or, or people kind of running uh, a slightly different than you're expecting them to be going. And so I don't really hold Mo too much camel for it, but I just want to say, I feel like it did speak to how perfect of a race Grant was running where like that little trip up right there, having the guy, it's almost a good or, or a sign to me that he was just like running it perfectly that he wasn't able to recover because it was like every last ounce that he had was ready to make that move. And he looked so primed to make that move. Like you said, he looked so strong right before uh, the little uh, scuffle there happens that when you do get thrown off from that, it's not like you can recover and try to, to, to resurge or something. It's like, that was it. You know, you get, you get one chance and something like that. Uh, and he just, uh, got that chance kind of ripped away from him unless you're i think mo which you have several <laughs> down the home stretch well she's she's not human she's she's an alien but we'll, we'll get to that in one second i my last thought on the 5k is so i had two group messages going one with you guys and one with a couple other guys and um in that text for whatever reason i was making fun of uh grahalva for like being where he was in the race and I just continued to keep making fun of him. And then he finished fourth in the race. So he made me look pretty stupid. Um, but I guess I, you know, I got to give credit where credit is due. Yeah. I did not, super, I did not super. anticipate. Yeah. I did not anticipate Grahava finishing oh, fourth in the world. Amazing. You know, super patient race, just kind of chipping away. Yeah. It's awesome. And t- took it. I mean, clearly took advantage a little bit of like Grant yeah, and Mo, like, um, but, you know what i still fourth in the world nothing can say about that uh, all right let's get into it well we got a couple of the Jakob coming back to win oh oh holy crap how have we not talked Jakob? yeah i mean that was that was supposed to be what we were all leading up to like i mean first of all i didn't even know Jakob was going to be in this race until i saw him on the track and then even <laughs> that still like he is coming off with kind of like a devastating and shocking loss in the the 1500 right like best 1500 meter runner in the world we all expect him to win he gets upset then you see him in the field and it's like oh like i mean he's dangerous you gotta worry about him but i mean i don't know about you guys i especially like the 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 field i just listed off world record holders american record holders um in 5k tank like all this like world champions olympic olympic champions I knew he would be dangerous. I did not anticipate Jakob winning the 5K World Championship. I mean, the guy is, he, he's just ridiculous. Ridiculous. 
that's what the greats do, Mike. They I guess, yeah. Get upset and you come back and you and you, you know, make a statement. So uh he he's one of the greats, man. It's uh it was impressive to watch. It does beg the question though, could could Yaka be a better 5k runner than he is a 1500 meter runner? I mean <laughs> this championship alone, I guess you can make that argument. It's just tough to be like as good and dominant as he has been in the 1500. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I guess I don't know. I think he's just like out of this world talented, right? Like, and, and he could probably go up to the 10 K and compete there. He could go wow. down to the 800. I think anything from the 800 to the 10 K you can't rule him out at being, being the best in the world. Give Jakob some time. He's 21. He's got time to move up to the 5K at this point. But but I don't I don't think so. I think my takeaway from this, and, and this actually, I don't know, I had a, a ton of respect for Jakob in this and, and kind of super impressed me, made me, made me more of a supporter of him than I had been in the past. But it didn't look to me like, oh, this guy, this guy could, why is he running the 5K? It just looked like mentally he was so locked in, like that world-class athlete, one of the best mid-distance distance runners in the world right now. And after his 1500, instead of being like broken from that, he just mentally went to another level where it, it just felt like people could not beat him that day. And so I didn't look at it physically. This guy is the best 5K runner out there. Like I look at him as the best mile or 1500 meter runner in the world. I took it as, man, I'm, I'm super impressed by Jakob just mentally bouncing back from that 15 where the whole world gets shocked that he doesn't take it. Uh, and he goes out there where he's not the favorite. And just looked like a man on a complete mission that wasn't going to be beat. And, and he had some good quotes leading up to it. Where he's like, nobody's going to beat me in this race. So I just was thoroughly impressed by just like the mental fortitude he showed. And it, it, it won me over a little bit. I was like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm becoming a Jakob fan after. Were you, uh, were you not? Like were you not sold on Jakob before? Like, I, I, mean, th- I feel like. I feel like we're a pro Jakob, a pretty pro Jakob podcast. I'm sold on his like talent, but it's kind of easy to root against him, right? With his dumb tattoos and he, like I, his I his reality TV show. I, I don't know. I I, I feel like I, think, I feel like I find that stuff like almost endearing. Like I I don't know. I I, I don't know. I, I'm I'm completely and I I write off people pretty quick, so I'm I'm like all in on yeah. When it was. I, Chariot and Jakob, I think I was team Chariot just because I like seeing this like next up and coming kid who's just getting so much attention, getting put in his place. And then he takes sure, it. Sure. And then I was ready for somebody to overtake him. Um, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe now I'm on your side. Mike, I see. So Jakob you never, fan, you never lived in the space where like you accepted Jakob. You went right from like wanting to see the under the, the young kid being put in his place immediately. <laughs> no, no, uh, like, grace period you just know immediately to like all right we gotta like someone's gotta take this kid over yeah i don't know i just <laughs> i i think he's he's okay. got some personality traits that that don't get me super excited about him but he seems like he would be exactly your style he's got these dumb <laughs> tattoos like wears an earring like just a wacky like ridiculous personality he seems like if it, like 
the perfect Trent Fontanella character. Listen, I'm all in for like crazy, fun, cool tattoos that other people might think is dumb and like flash colors and things like that. His are like somebody took a six year old, took a pencil and was drawn on his arm. But yeah, Jakob was built in a lab that I, I don't I don't get Trent vibes from that. I guess get, get out of here with me and Jakob. I guess. All right. Two, two okay. other just quick, quick, quick things from the 5K. I love watching Kenyan race tactics, watching the watch. Oh, race yeah. Unfold, watching the Kenyans kind of work together. I love that. I know a lot of other people hate that. They they're always there's all in every final. There's always three Kenyans and they're always working together. I love watching them. Um, and the other thing, our boy Sam Parsons in the finals. Great to see Sam in the finals. I thought that was really cool. So agreed. Also, Abdi Nur making the finals, too. I was impressed yeah. by it. He wasn't up front, but still impressed he got there. All right, let's talk Mo. Um, we alluded to it before. You know, Mo takes control of this race like she always does. She takes the final turn into the home stretch, and you think, all right, here goes Mo again, just doing what Mo does. But nope. Um, girl from Great Britain there, Keely Hodgkinson, she starts running Mo down, which is not an easy task to do. And I don't know what it was, whether Mo like thought she had it locked up or was, you know, kind of in cruise control, but Keely kind of starts coming up on her and Mo from the clouds. I mean, this is like, how many times have we seen this? We're like twice in a row now. It's it, yeah. I mean, it, it's so it's impossible to find that last gear on the home stretch. You just don't see it happen when somebody like Keely is making that move. And like, clearly, you know, you see it in track race, you see it in horse racing. It's like it, that move is unmistakable where it's like, Oh, like they're going to win this race. Like it's clear that they have something more, but Mo just finds a way kick into that extra gear it is ridiculous the way that she can hold off those moves on a home stretch you just don't see that happen and you know as soon as she found that gear and like took like three steps in it it was like oh there she goes and she takes the victory and it's just she is so damn fun to watch like it's a stressful it's certainly a stressful thing to to watch, especially Steve. I know you had a little uh, healthy wager on the Sydney Mac uh, Mo parlay there that, you know, maybe you got into a little beef over as well. But for you, that must have been stressful as hell to watch Keely kind of coming down the home stretch there. It was it was one of the most stressful wagers of my entire life. I mean, it was it was a it was a big payout or a big loss. It's a, it's a, no other way to say it, but um, the move by Keely, the race was over. I, in my head, I lost that bet. Like the race was over and Mo similar to the, to the trials somehow puts on this, this, this burst, this move at the end that you just don't see people make when they're already going all out for the finish line and somehow manages to squeeze it out. Incredible. Like we were talking about the Jakob winners, find a way to win. That being said, Mo, you have to learn better race tactics. Like this, 
this didn't need to happen. Going into the final, the 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 final home stretch, the fa- final hundred meters, Mo swings out into lane two, and opens up the door for Keeley to come in. And and otherwise, she would have had to go around. I think she still would have made it made it close, but I don't know if she would have ever gotten the lead on Mo. She would have been a close second. Um, but she opened, just gave a gave a pathway, just kind of opened up the door, say, "Here, challenge me down the straightaway," and she took it, and she almost beat her. So Mo, I, I I don't know what's going on there. We gotta we we gotta work on some race tactics, um, or maybe she's just a showman or showwoman. She just uh, she wants to make things interesting because she knows she's gonna nip them at the finish line. So uh, yeah, you know, a, a big uh, big big win for your boy. Um, I uh, I I cashed out of of DraftKings. I I was able to leave some profit in DraftKings for for some fun later, but um, I have a check being mailed to my house. Thanks to, uh, thanks to, thanks to Mo winning that race and, uh, um, Sydney McLaughlin. So, uh, thank you. And a cut of, of, you know, we've already talked about my other ones, but those are the, the two big ones. So we'll take it. There would be nothing better than a, a interview with Mo where she later admits like, yeah, I felt Keely right behind me. I wanted to give her some space <laughs> so that I could duke it out with it <laughs> later on. Uh, Keely, she's only 20 years old too. And she, she was a silver medalist at, in Tokyo, and so it could be a good thing for Mo's career to have somebody that can push her. Because for a second there, it just looked like Mo was going to run away from everybody every time she hit the track. And so I actually think this could be hopefully a, a, a little rivalry that, that Mo comes out on top of more times than not. But it's good to have somebody there. I'll be pushing her from behind a little bit. Steve, I don't know if you... Um... I'll let you decide if you want to reveal any more information on this or, you know, uh, who, who, who it was sure. that you're having this dialogue with, but did you, did you chirp back after? Well, let me, let me, let me set the stage a little bit. You posted that parlay and you received some backlash from a, a particular person. You had a little bit of dialogue about, about that bet. And that wasn't super pleasant. Did you take the opportunity to kind of rub your winnings in said person's face? No, because, uh, then, then I feel like it's, it's, uh, it's more satisfaction for me if I, if I don't think to do that. Right. Yeah. But, yeah, but you never revealed. All right. Fine, I'll say. So, uh, so, so but, but, well, I was gonna say, you never revealed how much money you actually put into it. Yeah, so I, think, that's not, I think if you, not I think if, <laughs> yeah, but I think not, not to the public. I'm just saying to this particular person, if you sent the winning bet slip that you don't need to say anything. Yeah, I just I think you need to that. send the winning bet slip. I think it would. All right. I could do that. I could do that. You don't want to piss off the gambling gods either. No, though, yeah. That's know? the other thing. You don't, you don't, you, uh, but this you might no be one worth to, it. You got no one to this, hold them. You got no one to fold them. You got no one to walk but away. In this particular scenario, Steve, to, 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 right, to so rub that in. I, I'll tell the story. Let me tell the story. Yeah, I do. So we post a bet. I, we, we've been talking about uh, Sydney and Mo. If you can get either of them, if either of them were close to, to minus 300. You, that would be free money, similar to the way Ryan Krauser was free money in the Olympics. And I found out that if you parlayed the two, because odds had kind of changed, but when you parlayed the two, it got him down to like minus 280. So I was like, that's our free money. And so I posted it. And Everett Smolder, the CEO of Westfly, uh, former old Miss athlete, started chirping me saying that it was a it was a terrible bet. And I just think I put, is it, is it, is this, is this free money or is it too risky? So those are kind of the, it, it's high risk. Um, 
it's high risk, but you know, if it's free money, then, then it's free money. And uh, he, we were kind of going back and forth a little bit. I was like, all right, well, what's your bet? And he took, he took uh, um, uh, uh, the Liam Muhammad and, and <laughs> Raven Wilson or Raven Rodgers. Yeah. And, and I was like, okay, well, the good news is, is there's going to be an answer to this. Somebody will win and somebody will lose. Well, we both might lose, but uh, yeah, I mean, been, been crickets, been, uh, been silent since, uh, okay. since I, since I heard you he taking those two. So, but Mike, Mike, good interview techniques there. That was not a story. See, fun its own. You dragged it out of them. Well done. Yeah. I mean, I didn't, I, I, I wasn't willing to blow any cover if you don't want to reveal the conversation, but it was worth, worth talking about because, uh, I, I just, I, you know, I expected you to chirp back at him a little bit. I mean, that's, that, that's, that's the, that's a short, like Trent said, that's a surefire way to piss off the gambling gods. I guess it might be worth it to, to rub it in, but I, I get it. I, 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 I get Listen, it. I, I, the, the gambling gods have been really mad at me the past. <laughs> if I get any, any, you know, any uh, positive favor, you know, if they're, if I'm in their good graces right now, I'd like to stay there for a little while. That's fair. Um, all right. Uh, nothing much else. We had kind of expected the men's four by four took gold. The women's four by four took gold. I don't know if you guys have anything to say there, but uh, that's that's pretty much it. That's a wrap on the uh, the 2022 World Championships. We did it. Yeah. No. Good. Good stuff. Um. Just yeah. I, w- I would like. Let's keep it to one week. Let's keep it to one week next time around. Okay. I'm okay. I'm okay with spreading it out. Let's keep it to one week. Multiple weekends, I just it feels wrong. It just doesn't feel right. So you, you made the point last time, Steve. It's like when would we even go if we were going to pick this as our destination? We go for a few days, a long weekend. It, it seemed a, a great question last week. This week, it, it it was like you know what that weekend would have been great to be at. You know, you're going to miss no, some that of your weekend. favorite events to watch, yeah. but the the tracks seem to be more filled up, right? I think a lot of people have the plans. If you can only go out for a long weekend, let me do the the last few days, the second weekend. A lot of good uh finals and and a lot of you know good fan support in the crowds it would have been a good weekend but it would really stink to go out for a long weekend and miss the 1500 that's miss true 1500 so like imagine if we had imagine if just hypothetically hypothetically saying hypothetically speaking imagine we had spent a bunch of money got an airbnb we all went out for thursday we went out for Thursday to Sunday or whatever. And we, you know, hypothetically speaking, our boy Josh walked away with gold and we missed the after party. Like I would just be bummed the entire time we were in Eugene. So, mm-hmm. All right. I think, I think we covered it. I think we did it. I think we, we got through it, gentlemen. So I, I think the uh, the two crews probably sick of listening to us talk about this now, but we do have a lot of people out there that are joining us. But how are we feeling? Ninety nine days away. How are we feeling, boys? I you know getting getting a little bit better every day, Steve. You know, honestly, means- honestly speaking, like we're in the trust tree. How are we doing? Stop giving me the are, Bill Belichick answers. Are we in the trust tree? We're in the trust tree. It's just, no, the I, yeah. just the three of us. Mike. No <laughs> one's listening to this. I'm I'm finding a rhythm. I got a long way to go, but that's why I have 99 days. I, but I've, I'm I'm listen. I, I'm I'm in a rhythm. Like I, I think that's half the battle is like finding a, a rhythm and a schedule and consistency. And yeah, do I do I does my mileage need an increase? And am I 
is my pace slower than I want it to be? And am I, you know, not where I want to be on race day? Hell yeah. But I, I got a rhythm and I'm feeling good and I got time and I, you know, I'm, I'm getting one step closer every day. I'll be honest with you. I was looking at the calendar today and, and seeing that, that number tick from three digits to two digits. And I was like, Hmm, this is a lot less time than I thought. So I had a little freak. I was like, things need to go over the next few months. Things need to go perfectly. Like there's no way around it. Like I, 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 it's lined up, but there can't be any hiccups. Things need to be, if I miss one week, if I have a bad week, whether it's injury or work cranks up and I can't run, if I miss one week from here on out, I think the, I think the train's coming off the tracks a little bit. I'm in a, I'm an interesting spot where I, I did have some major calf issues, like couldn't shake them, but I think I'm in a good place now. I've been actually, you know, running every other day the last week or so. I, I basically gave myself a hundred days to get in shape for this. And I plan on training pretty hard if my body can hold up, but I was thinking about this. I think I am in maybe the best, like overall fitness shape in my life and nothing to do with running. Right. But I, I've been hitting the gym. Like I've never hit the gym before since like the fall I've been doing yoga. Like I've never been doing yoga before. And I've been praying, staying pretty active with like, you know, just, just, just some, some walking, some hikes, things like that, which I know is completely different than running. But I'm really like curious to see how that's going to translate into how fast I can rev myself up. It may do nothing for me, but I normally I would say I'm screwed, but I, I do feel like I'm coming at this from a really good spot. And uh, I don't know, I'm more, yeah, it's curious, an experiment for me and to see how much of that stuff will translate into hopefully a quick rev up into uh, into marathon. Trent went out to Idaho, a hippie. He's coming back at Juicehead. Look at him. He's wearing sleeveless. Got a shave. <laughs> shaved his head. Yeah. The gym. I, I was always, you're, I was always a meathead at heart. You're diving into this meathead lifestyle, aren't you? Yeah, I do. I do. I, I think I've always wanted to be a meathead that had to be put on hold while I was uh, being a serious runner. But uh, the Ryan Hall came out of me when I came out here. You're going to, you, you, you've spent your entire time in Boston trying to like distance yourself from like the stereotype, stereotypical, like, boston meathead and you, you kind of dove into this hippie lifestyle the second you move away you're like you're you're finding your your boston roots now well there's nobody out there like this like like i can be the boston meathead out here in boston i couldn't compete with the real meatheads all those guys were <laughs> way you know bigger than me way cooler way taller had had so much more but now out here it's like oh there's no meatheads that, that can talk with a little bit of attitude around here trent's gonna come back in like uh in Tim's in a, in a, uh, in a, in a Red Sox fitted backwards hat. If you don't think <laughs> I have like 12 Red Sox fitted backwards hats in this draw right next to me. No, but it can't be a crazy color one. It needs to be like the traditional Navy and red. I don't even know if he realizes that he muted his, his microphone. I think he did it by accident. Let's see. I, I don't have my traditional navy in red. Yeah, in the space. I have one. I have a traditional fitted one. It's just not right next to me. I'm sorry. So I um, and I'm not saying this to be like that braggy guy because I'm not like I hate every second of it. But I've gotten to the point where my only like if 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 I'm gonna throw myself into marathon training, my only option is to be a before work runner right so and i i just it's like you have to make that 
that mental decision every single morning that you're going to go do the run. And this, this morning I went to go do my run and it was like, you know, whatever, four forty-five or something. And I'm standing at the back door and I'm, I'm in my running clothes, like already out of bed, just like with my hand on the doorknob. Cause I know like, as soon as I walk out the door, I'm committing to the run. But as long as I'm still in the house, there's still that chance. I could be like, you know, it's probably more beneficial if I just get some sleep today, maybe I'll squeeze in a, you know, a night run or, or something like that. So, you know, you have that moment where you're standing at the back door. It's like, this door is the only thing separating me from like actually doing this and going back to get bed and getting another hour of sleep. And it's like, I'm just terrified of, because, you know, for the first like a couple of weeks, I was like, would wake up jazzed up, ready to go, like motivated. But I'm getting to the point where it's becoming an everyday thing now. And I'm just terrified that that's going to become my reality every single morning. That I'm just going to be standing there for like five minutes with my hand on the doorknob being like, all right, all right, I can do this. I can do this. And like having to, for whatever reason, that couple of minutes actually stepping out the door is is by far the most painful. It's miserable. Mike, you are a lunatic. If you are going to get out of bed, get your running clothes on, put your running no, shoes on. I'm telling go you, go to the front. It's door. that last minute. It's that last. It's that. It's the the last bear. You've checked all the boxes. There's only one more box to check. As soon as you walk out of that door, you're running and ten steps in. You're happy you're doing it. But once once I leave just the bedroom, a... I'm locked in. You know, if nah, you're gonna there's get still a chance. Out of there's bed, still a chance. And once the shoes go on for me, yeah. once the shoes once the shoes get laced, it's over. It's 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 I, I i've never experienced this oh. like i said the first couple of weeks i didn't experience it today was the first day and it was just like oh boy this is a terrible terrible feeling you gotta work through that one mike i don't know what to yeah, tell you we'll, we'll see we'll see what happens all right well hey let's um let's uh let's kick off the bell app mike what do you got people on the bell app I got a couple of things, Steve. Uh, I've gotten a lot of backlash about um, the the bell not being in yeah, the, uh, the, the the bell app. Uh, a couple of reasons for that. Um, one reason was for whatever reason my the file I used got deleted out of my template. I'm not really sure how that happened. Um, so I just haven't like refound and download because I've like pulled it off some random YouTube videos. So I got to find the original YouTube video. Um, and two, sometimes, you know, when you're editing late at night, it's just easier to omit the, the, the secondary noises. If I'm being completely honest with, with the crew here, every secondary noise that we throw in there is just a little bit more work. Uh, it takes a little bit more longer. Um, so we'll see as I'm talking right now, I don't know if the bell app made, if the little made it into the episode. So if it did, there you go. Uh, you know, I hope you're happy if it didn't make it. Listen, I don't know what to tell you. It's probably super late and I didn't put it in there. Uh, second of all, we're back to standard peak too early. I'm pumped. It just feels good to be back to peak too early. And I know we never went away from this. But it only feels right that in a peak early bell app, I'm going to talk about this real quick. Um, two outcomes. If Juan Soto is a Yankee by the next time I talk to you, or if Xander Bogarts is not a Red Sox by the next time I talk to you, I may never show my, sh- I may never show my face again. That's all. That would be bad. Trent, what do you got? People on the bell app. 
listen, I got nothing. I just want to hear Steve uh, finish up the episode with the uh, the old saying. So go ahead, Steve. Well, before I do that, I, I do want to say um, for the for the Die Hard Two crew, you'll you you'll realize that we're we're episode one forty nine, which means next episode's one fifty. We made a promise to the two crew that every multiple of 50 we were going to do something so i'll leave that in as a little teaser for our next episode but other than that boys i would have run faster but i peaked too early mike hit me with the josie